0: back friends to the Mark Claire show. I've got a great conversation coming for you today with an amazing man, Father Turbo Qualls. Going to get to that in just a minute, but uh, before I even tell you about my sponsor, I just want to take a minute to address why I do the advertisements uh, up front before the show. The main reason is because I have a great sponsor. Um, I'm really happy with the sponsor, and I want to tell you about that sponsor without having to interrupt the conversation. That's kind of what I'm going for. I've used that uh, marketing tactic before in the past, uh, putting ads in the middle of conversations. It's uh, a Supposedly effective way to advertise, but for the purposes of this show, for the kind of conversations that I want to have, I want you to really be immersed in the conversation, and I don't want to snap you out of it. I don't want to pull you out to uh, tell you about a sponsor. So that's why I do the ads uh, at the front of the show. And you know, I'm not Joe Roganing here. I'm not Joe Roganing you here. Uh, I'm not going to do seven or eight ads. I just have the one sponsor, which is our friend Stephen Fox and Fox and Sons Coffee. And my God, there are so many deals going on right now. First of all, I love this coffee. I legitimately love it. Uh, It's convenient that I I also like Stephen Fox and also like the business he's doing. And he's also a sponsor of the show. Uh, But I would love this coffee, even if he wasn't a sponsor. Uh, I really do, really. it, it, It wakes me up every single morning. I can barely... Keep myself together because I have so much energy uh, from this thing right now. So check out Fox and Sons. That's F-O-X, the letter N, S-O-N-S dot com. There's a few things you got to know about. Now, of course, you can use discount code MCS. think Mark Claire Show MCS. And that will get you either a third bag free or $12.99 off your order, depending on what size bag you use. So check that out. But also uh, from now until the end of the year, I am accepting submissions for a free bag of coffee, a free two pound bag of coffee. I'm going to be doing a raffle at the end of the year. I'll announce it on the first episode of 2023. It took me a minute to remember what year it was going to be. Uh, I'll announce it on the first episode. And to enter that raffle, all you got to do is go to Apple Reviews, Apple Podcasts, leave me a five-star rating, a great review for the show send that to me screenshot it send it to mark claire show that's m-a-r-c-c-l-a-i-r show mark claire show at gmail.com you're entered in the raffle so check out fox and sons this coffee's amazing and get ready for this fantastic conversation coming your way my guest today is the director at St. Mary of Egypt, Serbian Orthodox Church in Kansas City, Missouri. He is also one of the hosts on the Royal Path, which you can find on YouTube. Very pleased to welcome Father Turbo Quals. Father, welcome to my show.
1: Oh, thanks for having me, Mark.
0: Pleasure, and I uh, know, there's, a, there's, you have a pretty interesting story um, of how you came into the Orthodox Church. I want to get into that, but I don't want to bury the lead here. I think the first thing that might strike, strike, uh, strike people about you is your name. You have a really, really cool name, so I, I'm kind of curious um, where that name comes from, the origin of the name Turboqualls. Um, was that your birth name? I, I, I need to know the story here.
1: Sure, like half and half, um, and I guess it kind of was a good thread getting into everything because it it really touches on everything, you know? Um, so kind of like a long story short. Um, so I was a tattoo artist, uh, for, you know, 20 plus years. And when I was doing my apprenticeship, you know, uh, you're given a nickname, Mm. like, you don't choose your nickname, (laughs) you're you're given a nickname, (laughs) you know? Um, and so I was also, uh, subsequently, you know, I was in bands, you know, um, playing you know rock and roll stuff um 77 punk rock and oi and things like that and so um anyways i'd kind of picked up the the nickname turbo uh from hanging around um you know my my rock and roll friends let's say and um anyway someone had called down to the tattoo shop where i was apprenticing at at, and um they were looking for for a nickname for me And they're like okay you know nothing was sticking so someone called one day and they're like, yeah, it's Turbo there. And they're like, the guy, Tom, he's like, who are you talking about? They're all like, yeah, yeah, the the skinny black guy with the long hair. <laughs> and then, you know, I walked in and Tom was like, oh my gosh, that's it. That's the name, whatever. So anyways, the name kind of stuck, but here's where it gets interesting. Um, as I came out of that, you know, as I kind of came into my spiritual journey, let's say, or um, – when I came to Christ, let's put it that way. uh, I was trying to get rid of the name because it was associated, you know, I I was associated with all kinds of stuff Mm -hmm. that, you know, I was turning a new leaf, a new, a new man, all that good stuff, but I couldn't shake the name. I couldn't (laughs) shake it. Um, And so years go by, you know, I'm a, I'm a Christian, evangelical Christian and I'm I'm doing all this stuff and the name kind of still is poking around anyways. uh, As we'll come back into it, as we became, uh, we're coming to the Orthodox Church. You are given um, a patron saint, so you're given you're baptized and you're given a new name. So I was looking at all these various, you know, I was like, oh, Saint Martin of Tours, you know, all these other saints. And um, a friend of mine he called me up one day and he said, hey, uh, are you still looking for a patron saint? I said, yeah, 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 you know, but I think I got it. He's like, well, you might want to hold on. I said, why is that? He's like, there's a Saint Turbo. Wow. And I'm like, I'm like, shut <laughs> up. There's that there's no way it's just so ridiculous and absurd, you know. I mean, it's like, no, no, check it out, you know, and um <laughs> like sh- sure shooting like there was a saint turbo, um and at and the funny things at first, I was like, mm, I can't do that, you know, and and really, it was my pride because I was like, no one's gonna take me seriously.' I didn't know anything about orthodoxy. You know, this is, this is like 20 years ago. And so it's like, I don't know these people I'm going to be meeting all these, you know, Russians and Arabs and Greeks. (laughs) And it's already weird that I'm like this American black guy. And like, it's already going to be weird. You know why make it weirder and more awkward. Or just lean into it and go all the way. Let's make it as weird as possible. (laughs) Here's the thing. I'm all about leaning into it. And so I was like, well, as time went on, it it dawned on me. I was like, well, what are the chances of that? Right. You know what I mean? Like like what are the chances of that? and so the interesting thing, let me tell you about saint Turbo Saint Turbo was a martyr, a very early martyr in the second century, under Marcus Aurelius, and there was a series of martyrdoms there's a grandmother, Eusipia, and her triplet grandsons, and they were martyred and then very a very common phenomena is there 's a domino effect when someone 's martyred, other people witness it, and that inspires them, and then they become martyrs, and so forth. So there is a series of martyrdoms, and then it ended with St. Turbo, who recorded the martyrdoms, and then he was martyred. So this is how he you know, came into the, the Hall of, of Faith. So what's interesting is, um, and I guess we'll get into that at some point, is how he even became familiar with orthodoxy, which is through the icon. And so for people who don't know, an icon is what we call them windows to heaven. But this is actually an icon of St. Turbo here, right there. So, um, at any rate, I walked into a room, I walked into a house. This is kind of like pausing the Saint turbo story, walked into a house that my, uh, my wife, my newlywed wife, she was friends with, they were orthodox. They had this icon. I had this, I got bowled over, had this experience. So the icon is the thing that led me to orthodoxy Hmm. and turbo you know, he was known for writing down the life of the saint. Well, that's what iconography is in many ways, is the remembrance of the saints, you know? Interesting. Um, but, but in pictures, you know, in color and in line. And so it made perfect sense. It was like, well, here's this obscure saint. And my problem was, you know, I'm a very vain guy, you know? So, like, he's a beacon to me about being humble mm-hmm. and about not wanting the limelight, which is funny because I'm, like, on the show, whatever. But the... Don't worry. You, this isn't, this isn't really limelight just
0: yet. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you can be well, humble here. Still. In our, well, in our <laughs> tradition and for me, especially when, when I say about going obscure, I mean like going off radar, you know what I mean? Mm. Completely. And so anyways, he's a, he's a beacon uh, for me and that's that, you know? So I became, you know, I, I took his name and it was, and again, it was a reminder that um, I didn't choose Christ or the church, but uh, I was chosen, you know? And, it's one of those like, you know, kind of woo-woo mystical things, but that's, that's, that's what happens when you're dealing with God.
0: That's particularly interesting. Your sort of connection to the icons with your, your background as a tattoo artist. Do you you think that there's a connection there between your appreciation
1: (laughs) for that art and the appreciation of the (laughs) iconography? Yeah. I mean, it, you know, it's funny, everything in my life. uh, And this is, I think this is one of the things I'm, I'm tasked to kind of like share with people, especially here in the like in modern times in the West and in America, and you know our culture is pop culture. We don't have an old culture where we have this old mythos and these things. Like, Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the things about the royal path is um, I think people resonate because you know we as a group, but me as a priest, I have no problem speaking our language. You know, I know our culture, I know our mythos, and you know, there's a scripture in Jeremiah where. It says, when you're able to separate the precious from the worthless, then you'll be my servant. And so that's what I try to do is separate the precious from the worthless. And like, the, you know, pop culture, let's say 95% of it is just fluff and garbage. But that 5% of that pearl, that's what people need help finding. Like, what is what is the thing like that resonates with us? Why do these stories resonate with us beyond, you know, the psychology of it, like something deeper? And so I think that's, that's a key thing. Um, and I see that. For me, everything from being into punk rock and, and being an artist and being a tattoo artist and, you know, just growing up in the milieu, finding my way to truth through that, not around it, not underneath it, but through it and it being used. And that's what happens to someone when they come to Christ is that, you know, there's all these misnomers. The, the biggest problem for a lot of people is they have um they have a straw man, you know what I mean? They they have an idea of who Christ is that they've been given, and I don't blame people for wanting nothing to do with with Christianity or Christ because the Christ and the church that they've been given is first of all a false one, and it's one that you know nobody would want anything to do with e- anyways, right? But once you take that opportunity to kind of get past that and look into like who Christ really is and who, and what the church really is, then you're discovering. Actually, yourself, because God doesn't want to, you know, make you into some kind of impersonal thing and just meld you into like, you know, the Great Raman. It's 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 not that in our tradition. What it is is He's looking to make Mark the true Mark. But the thing is, is you got you know, thirty two years <laughs> of just garbage. Your dad's issues, your stepmom's issues. You know what I mean? Your, your third girlfriend's issues, all those things that like stuck to you, which you think are you. And they're not really you. You know what I mean? And so the process of being purified of those things so that the true aspects of who you are come forward and that true that true you, that's what's going to be, you know, that that's what you begin to understand as eternal life. Right. And so that's why I think it's important to look at these things and to help people. Begin to get a taste of what it means to let go of some things, but also in letting go of something, you find yourself. Does that make sense?
0: It does, yeah. And uh, do you think that, just to back things up a little bit, when you were um, involved in the punk rock scene, the tattoo scene, uh, maybe you can get into a little bit how you got into that stuff, but do you think even before you found Christ and before you found Christianity, that was in some way you're you trying to find your true self through these other paths or, or to find something to, um, I don't want to say worship. Maybe, yeah, maybe worship, maybe to, to find your, your, I guess, replacement Mm -hmm. for a religion. If you didn't have that yet.
1: Sure. Everyone is looking for that. You know, I mean, that's, that's one of the foundational, not just premises of our, you know, kind of like tradition, but like a truth. And once you begin to get on the path, you recognize it. Everyone's looking for it. I mean, You know, let's just let's have some let's make some good TV right now, right? Like, let's do it. Hitler, Hitler had good intentions. You know what I mean? Like, for as despotic and evil and wicked of what he did, what he thought was good, he was pursuing the good. It's like it's innate in us to pursue what we perceive to be good. The problem is, is that it's like if good is contingent upon our on our perspective, it's it's obviously faulty, right? Because is what Hitler wanted good? No. But as a human being, everyone's trying to pursue that thing. And that's where a lot of people don't understand. It's like, when you're trying to convince someone of something, like, good luck with that, because they're just trying to, it's like, it's almost like um, an instinct to pursue, but to pursue what you think is good. But the problem is, is that most of us, all of us, the faculties by which, you know, we're able to discern what's good and what's bad is, is twisted and broken, right? So that needs to be healed. So in the life that you live, you're going, you're picking up all kinds of things. And where God comes in is, is God is always wanting to help you to see the good and help you to choose the good. But the, the, the key thing is ch- is choosing because the freedom of choice and not freedom is choice, as in, like, everyone thinks. Like, that's a whole other thing. But there is a measure of freedom that human beings have. And that's that's divine, to be able to choose something. Now, culture, like anything else, has its aspects which are, um, let's say, broken. But I think a better word would be... Um, you know, kind of contingent, you know, they're contingent on the time. There's all these things. But because we're human beings, there are these kind of timeless aspects that, that I think everyone's looking for, right? That's why, you, like, in our culture, we have the term classic. Like, we yeah. say, oh, that's classic, yeah. right? What that means is it's it's kind of cutting through the particulars of our time or, like, our our own, like, family environment. Does that make sense? It's like you recognize... We so say, that's classic. You recognize it as being something that's kind of, like beyond your scope, right? Sort of
0: a a historical uh, staple of the culture.
1: Correct. And so that's not exactly what we're talking about, but I'm giving that as kind of like approximation, right? We all have this tendency to want to see something that's larger than ourselves or true, Mm -hmm. right? And so we're looking for that thing and we're looking for, it. and you know, some people are looking for it in comics. Some people are looking for it in fantasy, some people are looking for it in music. Most people are looking for it in politics, you know, or something else. But it's that's what we're looking for. You know what I mean? The tragedy is most of us don't find it. And we don't find it not because of God, but because of us. You know what I mean? And that's that's one of the big portions of the journey is when you begin to recognize something may not be your fault, but it is your responsibility. You know what I mean? You didn't. You may not have been able to choose who you are and how you're living and the things that you're interested in but you do have a responsibility to really kind of say, all right, what am I looking at? And what am I about? What am I really pursuing? And I think everyone kind of has that, that crisis, if you will, almost like that existential crisis. They're like, why am I doing this? You know what I mean? It's like I've been playing in a metal band for 14 years and it's like, what has it got me? You know what I mean? And then.
0: And that becomes why you're doing it. You're doing it because you've been doing it and that's what you do. Exactly.
1: Exactly. And then you're, you're at a really weird crossroads, you know? So we can, you can substitute metal band with anything with, with anything, you know what I mean? But there's something that brought you to it. And then you come to this point where I don't know if this is feeding me the way it used to, I I don't know. You know, it's like the shelf life has, has long expired. What am I going to do? You know what I mean?
0: I'm curious before you, before you came on this path, like even, even maybe even before you got into the punk rock scene and the tattoo scene, um, did you have any kind of religious upbringing prior to that? Did you have a a religious background or was it when you started getting into, um, the Bible and Christianity, was, was it brand new to you?
1: No. So I was raised, um, as an American Christian. And what that means is, yeah, You know, if you ask my dad and my mom, like, yeah, I'm Christian, whatever, Mm -hmm. because, you know, we're Americans and, you know, we're African-Americans. So it's like, yeah, but that was about the extent of it. And, um, you know, I had I had a background. My parents sent me to a a private Christian school. They didn't send me there because of religious or moral conviction. They sent me there for like education. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So in many ways, it's. it it was kind of counterproductive because that helps to to facilitate like a disdain to some degree, if that makes sense. Um, and actually it was in that school where I became, um, I began to become familiar and have a little bit of a, of a vision of, you know, alternative, uh, spirituality. So like the occult, you know? And so roughly from, like I started reading, um, Vedic mythology, like when I was in like I know it sounds crazy to people, but like were you in fifth grade, like 10? You know? So around like 10, the betas, looking at stuff, Norse mythology. And and when you here's were 10? Thing. That's yeah, <laughs> wow, yeah, yeah. That's
0: that's interesting. I was not reading that stuff yeah. when I was 10.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like, but here's here's how it works. Uh I grew up in a time, you know, I was at the height of Dungeons and Dragons and mm-hmm. role-playing. And also at the height of like Walt Simonson's Thor Run yes. and all of these pop culture things. So when I found out through one of my kind of recess monitors that, like, oh, all those things are real, I was like, whoa, like this stuff is real. So, you know, back in the day, people used to go to this place called a library. And when they went to the library, it wasn't just about indoctrinating kids, and all that, it was just like information. So this is where I was able to actually start looking at the stuff and I was like, wow, these, these are real gods. This is really cool. Right, like Walt and Simonson didn't little, dream
0: up Thor. Like this comes from a, a deep mythology. Not, as much as I used to probably think that as well.
1: <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. He didn't, he didn't dream up Thor. And so, and then, you know, the gods in you know, first edition, you know, the first edition Dungeon Dragons, like they're real. Like they, they, some of them they made up, but a lot of them, they weren't. And then you just kind of go down that path and then, you know, you have, you got to remember this is the eighties, you know? And so stuff was around, you know, you could, you could look into stuff pretty easily. And so it's just bit by bit, it sounds a lot more oppressive than it is. um, But this kind of ties back into iconography because the majority of it is me looking at, you know, the the plates, the pictures in the book and being amazed, you know, trying to draw them myself and then reading just enough to be like, okay, that's cool, you know? Um, I'm not reading it for any type of like, I'm not, I'm not reading it and doing like tantric practice. It just looks cool. It looks cool. I'm reading it and I'm almost treating it like, you know, another fantasy novel, you know what I mean? But that sticks with you. And then as you get older, you start looking into things, you start realizing, oh, there's something here. So, um, that obviously led me to um, Crowley and like the golden Dawn and then John deed and Inaki and magic and all that stuff. And so by the time, you know, I'm tattooing. Right. And, um, I'm practicing, you know, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying like every young man, I, I have goals and desires and I'm trying to manifest those goals and desires. You know what I mean? And like every, every man who's traveled, you know, I've been hurt and wounded. And so I've developed bitterness. And I've de- and I've developed, you know, uh, a, a taste for vengeance. And um, who else can promise you, you know, uh, your goals and and vengeance on those who who have hurt you? And so it became a very uh, profitable. Well, it seemed profitable. It became a very enticing path for a couple of years, you know. But it was all it's all progressing. And this is the thing; it's all tied in there because getting back to subculture, which you know I've talked a lot about too. It's like Subculture, I mean, I don't know, I'm an old man now, but like for me, my my older sister is the one who got me into the scene and she taught me that it wasn't just about, you know, music, whatever, but it was about, you know, something deeper and I've always held to that. And so that's why I was gravitated towards subcultures that, that had some sort of kind of political impact and more importantly, you know, the aspects of the subcultures that held to that. So for instance, like punk rock is a generic term a lot of people use now, but like, what are you talking about? Are you talking about, you know, street punk? Are you talking about UK82? Are you talking about hardcore? Like, what are you talking about, you know? And for me, I always gravitated towards those more political aspects because I was like, yeah, like, what is this all about? You, know? you were looking for and the meaning in what you were doing even even then. Looking for the meaning. And that gets back to the whole, like, you're pursuing truth or goodness as much as you can understand it. You know what I mean? So all this is relevant. And I think, I think maybe even why I'm on your show is because people may recognize they hear something and they're like, okay, this is kind of weird. This guy's probably some sort of anomaly and there's a spectacle aspect. Like, let me just see what this spectacle is. <laughs> but then if you stick around long enough, you can see like beyond past the spectacle, what it is. I'm just telling people what it is, is I've integrated the experience in such a way that it's it's cohesive and life-giving in Christ. Now they may not understand that portion. You may not even believe in Christ, but you recognize that I'm able to talk about all these things that are seemingly disparate, but yet they're cohesive and they're making sense. And I tell you, it's because everything I'm sharing with you, this is what I've been taught by the master. So this is this is the way that this is the way forward <laughs> for really, you know, our Broken culture, right? This is where a broken culture becomes made whole.
0: It's really interesting um, just how that whole journey took place. Was it, was it your interest in comics then? And the art in that, that brought you to tattooing, brought you to want to create those, those, um, those imagery, and then put that on people. Cause that's how cool it was.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, so yes, but it's also deeper than that, right? Because, um, I mean, I was also like in the anime before anime was a thing, you know, like I grew up watching Battle of the planets and Transor Z and all these like proto anime, star blazers, all that stuff. Captain Harlock. Deep you know, Robotech. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I, forgive me, but like, you know how it goes. I got to throw this stuff out. So, you know, what yeah, I, yeah. you, you know where I'm coming from. Right. Cause that's the thing is we live in a time now, Mark, where everyone's kind of skims the surface cause everyone can like, yeah, let me know a little bit of this, a little bit of that. But it's like, I'm, I'm before that time, like, you know, people got the crimson ghost on them and I'm like, well, here's the thing. Like you may know about the misfits now because whatever, blah, blah, blah. But when I was, when I was a young man, when I was a kid, there was no internet, the records, like you, like you couldn't get that stuff. So the mystery of what this stuff is, that's what, that's what gave you the chops to like get in there. And that, and that's how that was like the rite of passage. Like we don't have a rite of passage anymore. But back then that was the rite of passage. It's like, okay, are you, you know, used to use the term poser, are you a poser or, or you really know your stuff? Mm-hmm. Cause if you knew your stuff, that meant that you put the time in, which means that you cared. And that was a means by which you could say like, yeah, I'm, I'm good with you.
0: And that sort of m- might raise your, uh, your status within the group. If you are sort of,
1: it's the tribe, Yeah, yeah. it's the right. tribe, because look, here's, here's the thing. You know, with the advent, I'm sorry, you know, a lot of people, a lot of millennials are going to be hurt. And I, I love you guys. It's no problem. But like, you know, like Hot Topic and then the advent of like certain bands and I'm just going to throw them out. No offense, but I'm just trying to give someone like a historical timeline. Right. Like with things like corn and like uh, Offspring and all that stuff, what it did was it it kind of, you know, Green Day, it began to put into the waters of the broader culture. It, it it kind of showed them the hidden doors. And so everyone kind of became like, oh, cool, like Nirvana, stuff like that. Like, yeah, all like punk, right? Or like those guys that are smoking cigarettes around the corner at school. Like, what are they about? So instead of like beating them up or doing whatever, it's like, yeah, that's kind of cool. And so I started seeing these guys at our shows and like it began to permeate the waters. So where now today, Everyone has this dark edge to them, you know what I mean. Everyone wears black now, and everyone has this kind of, like yeah, they're still normies, whatever. But everyone like everyone's got a tattoo. Everyone's got those things, and like which, what people do not understand, what people have forgotten is when I was a kid. And I hate to sound like that old man, like when I was a kid. But you know, when you saw someone, it was like instant, like that was your tribe because there, it, you 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 just didn't stumble into it
0: you can just tell by the way someone is dressed by the tattoos they might have whatever oh that's a member of my tribe and it and before you would see hundreds of people on the street like like that
1: right and and that meant that you could just at least have some measure of you know kind of here's a key word communion with them Mm. it's like okay where you at and 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 you know there's a shorthand because we're symbolic beings Right. So the symbols that you wear on your skin and on your body, they're shorthand for your perspective and your worldview and your experience. Right. And so that allows you to enter in like quickly. That's like um, you know, like I don't know what it is on a computer, but you know, you get like a short link, you know, like a link, it's like boom, boom, like you're there. And so all those things, I mean, the way that anime is developed, like line and certain colors and that two-dimensional aspect, it's like it was a total primer for my psyche, for the icon, for for Byzantine iconography. You know what I mean? Um, the rejection of the norms of the world of, 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 and really to some degree disdain for society, broader society that I found in subculture. That was a total primer for being orthodox and and being an actual disciple of Christ, and not just like. Yeah, my grandma's a Christian and I'm a Baptist because I'm an American. Like that doesn't that doesn't mean anything. It
0: got you used to to not fitting in, I guess
1: in a, in a way. Absolutely, absolutely. So all of those things, it's just like that's the pearl. Now the part where you want to be pretentious and think you're better than everybody, you got to get rid of that. <laughs>
0: that which is probably the hardest part, I, I would imagine, in, in many ways. Yeah. Well, yeah. It can. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. Father Qualls, why don't we go into – where along the way, um, when you were involved in the punk rock scene, the tattoo scene, where along the way did you first take interest in, in Christianity? Or, in, I guess, in, in the this new path that you're on, I should say.
1: Sure. I would say um, I'm already – I've already kind of gone through the gamut. You know, like, I've already cycled through the core, like, the kind of three core movements of – uh, subculture, particularly British subculture, punk rock, the skinhead movement, and the mod movement. Okay, boom. Like I've, I've run through their goth into goth. I'm still kind of goth, obviously.
0: Can we just pause on the because I think one thing that's going to stand out to people that you mentioned there very quickly the skinhead movement. And most people are going to think, wait, skinheads, racists. How is this guy in the skin? What's oh, going on there? Maybe clarify what the, what the skinhead movement is because I think a lot of people might just assume oh, yeah, skinhead yeah, yeah, yeah. means yeah. Nazi, See, means racist, and how are you involved in that? that. So, um,
1: <laughs> So, a real quick history lesson of subculture for everybody. Um, You can trace the movements of subculture to two things. In England, and really like the late 50s, early 60s, you had these two movements of the rockers and the mods. The rockers were like greasers, you know, big boots, kind of like wanting to be like Marlon Brando, like Fonzie. I didn't know people know Fonzie anymore. Like Happy Days. Mm -hmm. Okay. (laughs)
0: Right. Oh, I know Fonzie. I grew up with Fonzie. I mean, I didn't grow right. up with Fonzie, but so, Fonzie reruns. Um, so
1: <laughs> so in, in in the UK, there was these you know young teens who had an affection for greaser culture, you know, bikes and all that stuff. But then the other ones, uh, they were into much more of a kind of like a modernist lifestyle. You know, they rode Vespa scooters. They had they liked Italian suits, and they listened to things like The Who, like the Small Faces, right? So these two subcultures were kind of growing up parallel to each other, and they used to rumble, used to fight a lot, right? And in that context of fighting, the mods, the ones who were into the Italian suits and having cappuccino and listening, and when it was, their music was soul music. They listened to R&B and soul. That was like their core music. And then out of that, R&B and soul came bands, like I said, the Yardbirds and and the Small Faces and all that stuff. So you had the greasers who were like, you know, Confederate flags and, um, you know, Southern culture, you know, rockabilly stuff. And you had the mods. And so the the mods who were like really into the fighting, they became known as like, quote unquote, hard mods. They didn't wear as nice of suits. They wore boots because they were more working class. They had shorter hair because they weren't working in the offices. You know, they didn't have the Italian coif and all that stuff. And they liked to fight. (laughs) So that group, that was the incubation, and they began to split off. And instead of listening to soul um, exclusively and R&B, they began to listen to ska. And ska is, you know, this prototype for what became reggae and blue beat and all this stuff. You follow me? So that culture um, was the kind of poorer so the mods were generally the kind of white collar um, middle class and then some of the lower working class. The working class ones that were rough around the neck, they basically split off and became their own subculture. Um, and which also included the West Indians, like the Jamaicans that lived in, in in England in like the East End, Lower East Side, all that stuff. They became what be- they became what's known as the skinheads. And that term is because they had their crop hair. Tear- because of working in the factories and just being working class and fighting. And so that culture developed on its own. And it was a culture that was, you know, uh, just characterized mainly by working class. And it was a multi uh, ethnic, not multicultural, multi ethnic movement. And Hmm. that went on for some time. And then eventually uh, because of the, like the tumultuous uh, social environment in England around the time, you know, labor's bad, and of course we know that labor is bad, money's bad. You got to blame the people who are the minorities; they don't look like you, so they start. You know, there's a thing called the National Front. The National Front began to see these guys as foot soldiers because they like to fight. Buy them some beers, tell them why their daddy lost their job, blah blah blah, and then you started having this racist faction within that movement. So, like anything else. Because it's much more gotcha. They hijacked it's it. It's kind of more hijacked, No one wants to yeah. hear about these other ones who listen to like reggae music and drink beers and hang out, you know, like that's not that's not sexy, at all. that's not fun, it doesn't sell papers. And so the the boneheads, that's what we call them, the boneheads, the racist faction, they kind of became what most people associate with skinheads. But that's not the case. So if anyone's like, oh he's crazy, he's talking about just Google or YouTube Geraldo Rivera skinhead show. And, and there's that notorious fight that breaks out and you'll see there's non-racist skins. And then there's like the boneheads, the other ones. So I was obviously one of the other ones.
0: I never thought I would have homework to go watch some Geraldo Rivera after this, but, but I now I'm hey interested. Man, you're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> cool. Yeah. So, so yeah, continue along. I, that was a little side tangent, but yeah, that, that that's interesting. I didn't know that, but so yeah.
1: Maybe. Yeah. No problem. So like, so, you know, kind of moving into, moving into that. And then, in. um, I, I went through all of those kind of three movements, you know, early, you know, in my preteens and teens, I was into punk rock. And then I got into the skin and movement. I was skin for a long time. And then once I I got disillusioned with that because of various issues, um, namely because people didn't take the politics seriously. They just wanted to fight. And I was like, but what about workers' rights? What about these things? No one wanted to talk about that. So I got out of that. And then um, I was like, well, you know, I somewhat nihilistic it's like well if no one cares why should i care then i got really into like the rock and roll scene mod scene and then like which kind of like is pretty broad at that point and sabbath and things like that and also along this time i'm i'm deep parallel i I, i'm this is this is the kind of like height of my practice of new age practice and and reading things like cosmic trigger anton wilson you know and and, like i said getting into like john d and things like that so all these things are happening, kind of like parallel. And again, all of
0: this is like the last thing you would think to to hear is the background of an Orthodox priest.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Because eventually, what happens is, you know, just to make a long story short, um, Crowley. You know, I'm, I'm going to paraphrase him. I'm going to butcher away, says it, but it's like, uh, you know, you don't have to, He essentially teaches that you know they eventually come for you. Hmm. You know, like if, if you work at it, they'll, they'll come to you. They eventually come to you. And, and it's true. And so after years of trying to not necessarily summon something, because looking back, it's like things were working. And at least I thought they were working. But actually being able to get to this next level of of communing, um, when, when that actually happened, there's a season in my life and that began to happen. And then I realized, oh, boy. Like I've made a mistake, you know, like this, these entities, this isn't, this isn't an Iron Maiden cover. You know what I mean? Like, this is not just a cool t-shirt. It's not just a cool t-shirt. Like, like these things, what at the time it's like, these things, this is not what I want, you know? And it's one of those things where, was it, was it the realization that this is real
0: there's there is a or this is not just iconography in, in a sense it's not just a cool t-shirt um there is actually something real behind that that can be summoned yeah
1: but it's also it's also not just the power of my will right dilemma it's not just the power of my will it's not just a kind of younging it's not just a younging in uh projection of my of my psyche right mm-hmm. I would you know, objective.
0: It's it's external to you.
1: It's external. And it's, and and it it was measurable and it was objective. You know, um, I lost friends over it, you know, because my, because the environment around me was, was changing, you know, and and it's not because of some sort of erratic drug induced behavior. It was because uh, actors outside of Me and outside of our circle would enter into situations and scenarios that made other people uncomfortable. You know what I mean? Like, for instance, I'll give you an example. Uh, I was going, I was meeting a friend uh, at a local coffee shop in Fullerton, and we're hanging out, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, Anton Wilson calls us the chapel perilous where you enter into the space and you're actually beginning to navigate. And this is, this is like a really tough crossroads because this is where your kind of mantle is tested in all kinds of, you're exposed to these things. And so I'm having coffee, whatever. And this, you know, quote unquote homeless guy, you know, comes in from the back patio, walks straight in And comes right to our table, makes a beeline, doesn't look at anyone, makes a beeline, and starts speaking to me about things I'd been studying all week, right? And and mixed in with a bunch of other stuff, but him and I start talking, right? I mean, just random homeless guy, right? My friend in front of me is like watching this thing and is kind of like, what in the world is happening? This guy says a couple key things. I understand. I'm responding back and forth. The guy leaves my friend like he says you know what man i can't hang out with you anymore because every time we get together weird stuff like this happens and it's it
0: just because you were it, it talking to a homeless out. guy or because of, because of what what was being said or? No,
1: no 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 uh the <laughs> everyone's had that experience of like hey a homeless guy coming in and you're just trying to be polite yeah. and like you're you're like humoring the guy mm-hmm. right um i wasn't humoring him gotcha okay yeah you know what i mean I w- I wasn't hugging him, and and at the time I wouldn't, you know. I'll tell you now, from from this perspective, what it was. He was possessed. I mean, he, he was carrying a spirit. He was carrying a spirit, you know. And the spirit, he was he was the vessel, if you will, right. And so, my friend picked that up, you know, because it it was. Here's the, here's the thing. It, it's kind of hard if you haven't had the experience, and people are like, okay, whatever, that's fine. But those of you who are going to hear this and you've had the experience, you'll know exactly what I'm saying when I when I say this. When you've encountered them and you've had that, there's a it's it's not even a primal fear, you know. If I was if your house is on fire, like that's primal fear, it's a, it's it it cuts you to your soul. And the fear that comes when you encounter spirits, demons, you once you've experienced it, you know what it is, and you'll and <laughs> you, you, it's with you your whole life. It's just it's 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 indelibly it's an it's an indelible mark on you, right?
0: Did did you feel that fear in that in that particular moment when you're engaging with
1: with that person? Yes and no. It's it was different for me than it was for, you know, my friend who's sitting across the way from me. Obviously, because my friend who's not practicing, my friend's just like whatever. He just wanted to do whatever. You know what I mean? But you have to gain. In any type of spiritual practice, you have to acclimate to it. You have to gain endurance. You know what I mean? And, and even more so if you begin to approach the living God. You have to, you have to gain endurance. You can't just kind of like and – th- and that's part of the problem for a lot of people is the hubris that the skeptic wields. They see it as an armor, as a weapon, but what it is is it, it actually – it's a blinding and, a, and it's a numbing and it's a deafening the hubris of the skeptic keeps them from having perception. And so But by that do you mean by by them sort of
0: wearing this this skeptical armor it's it's the opposite of what you would even need in the first place to to be open to that because if you're if you're keeping the skeptic shield on you're not open and if you're not open you're not going to have that sort of experience?
1: Correct. 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 And it's like playing an instrument. You know? Um you have to develop a measure of callus in order to play for extended periods of time. Like if you're like any, any string instrument, you have to develop a measure of callus, but the measure of, that measure of callus is what allows you to have a deft hand and to, and to be able to riff well and to like, you know, do sweeps or whatever you're going to do. You see what I'm saying? So there's, there's, there's an art to it and there's a balance to it. Um, and, but for him, he's just, he's like, he experiences, an ob- he, he was creeped out as the term was sure. often with people.
0: Can you take me kind of from that, from that point? Was that, was that sort of a, a little bit of an awakening moment in some ways to you? Like
1: that's just me giving you a, a, a like one little sliver right. of a season of my gotcha. life of a good three years of, of my gotcha. life. Okay. So, that happening like all day. So that's just like a clip from
0: like season two, episode seven of, of uh, yeah. <laughs> the turbo yeah. Quest journey. Um, so yeah. do you find stuff like this continuing to happen more
1: and more? And so what happened was, you know, One of the ways I explain it is like my filter was like stuck Mm. open and so couldn't close it. And so the thing is, is like, it isn't just about when you're practicing. um, It's just because you're prepared for that. It's when it's happening all the time. This is where it gets tough because now you are starting to head into madness. And this is, this is what happens. You know, this is when you study any of the great sorcerers, like any of your great occultists, they, they often will, you know, slide into madness. You know, even like Nietzsche, who people, you know, like, no, no, no. But I'm like, I'm telling you, Nietzsche was led by something. And like the, the madness he was brought to, it wasn't just the kind of like breaking of the mind because of existential angst. It was, it's deeper than that. So this led me to a point of crisis. And this, this crisis uh, is, is where I began to really recognize I had to make a choice. Um, and so I had one, I had one critical moment. And in that moment, I I decided, you know what, I I really, I have to, I have to like break away from this and I have to, this is what I, what I see it is and I want nothing to do with it. So therefore there's got to be light and there's got to, there's got to be a God. So I had kind of like tell people, you know, there's um, St. Paul and we use the term, a Damascus road experience, St. Paul, the apostle Paul who wrote, the majority of the new testament or at least half the all the epistles most of the epistles he was basically this religious guy who um in his religious zeal uh, as a jew uh, was persecuting christians and saint paul was a really good one and he was like a jew's jew you know he says circumcised on the eighth day tribe of benjamin under Gamelia, which was like the best rabbi at the time and he you know like a good jew he was like these christians Um, they're heretics and we need to destroy them. And so he was really good at killing them and going around and killing Christians. Well, he was on his way to, you know, kill some more Christians. And he was struck down on the road to Damascus by a light and he was blinded. And as he was blinded, he hears a voice that says, Saul, Saul, why, why are you persecuting me? And before he was Paul, his name was Saul. And Saul says, well, who are you, Lord? Who is this? And he says, I'm Jesus of Nazareth, whom you persecute. And it's at that point in time, Saul has this, his own kind of shift, and he's now um, blind, and he's taken in, and he's cared, and he's taught, and he disappears for seven years in Arabia. He comes back, and he's like the great evangelist who people know as the Apostle Paul. Well, I had like an inverse of that. I wasn't blinded by the light of Christ. I was subsumed and blinded by my pursuit of, of darkness. And it was a willful pursuit of it. That that's the thing of the, of a left-hand path. It was like a willful, willful pursuit.
0: It has to, it has to be in in some ways, right. Isn't that kind of kind of part of that is that it, it's, it's you trying to, you know, push your will, take your will and then kind of craft your own reality around it or whatever mm-hmm. it may be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And so it was from that. And this is where kind of looping way back, some of the seeds, of my upbringing as much as i disdained it um being at that christian school began to blossom because you know like for instance uh i don't want to get too much into it but like having to like learn hebrew and certain things for certain for certain uh rituals let's say i'm like this is you know it's just certain familiar things like this is interesting you know and um i began to um there's a process in which you can begin to um, put in front of you um, certain paths and you can begin to meditate on certain paths. And then eventually you, you can find your way imperceptibly gravitating towards what, what, what truth is. And so I won't get into the details of that, but let's just say like, for me, it was a very obvious, obvious choice of rejecting the darkness and everything that I I thought it was promising and then pursuing light. And that's where Christ came in. Um, Now it's interesting because for me, you know, the closest thing I had was my mom (laughs) who was, who was a Christian. And this is important to understand because at this point in time, what's happened behind all this is the story of my mother and my father. Um, Because my mother around the time that I was getting into, you know, the occult on a real, real low level. My mom had multiple aneurysms, and she became crippled and blind. And so, my dad was in this very tough place. We, had, you know, my, my, we were wealthy, and my dad had to make the choice to either, you know, pay to have my mom's life saved, or just let her go, and then, you know, have money. You know, and the doctors told him as much. They said, "Look, she's probably going to be a vegetable. You, you should probably just let her go." And he decided no. And so we lost everything. My dad, we lost our house, we lost our cars. It got to a point, it was a drilling down. We went from, you know, two-story house, pool, all that stuff. Those who might hear this, they, they'll remember that, if me and my old friends. Um, and it went from having a, this wonderful house, my dad having his own business, multiple businesses, to having a townhome, to living in a rented home, to living in, you know, a, a two-bedroom apartment in a really bad, you know, motel area to them, you know, not having any place to go, literally being on the street. And I gave them my 1979 Volvo that I had, so they had a place to sleep. So I gave them my Volvo and I started couch surfing. Um, This is important because my mom, you know, was a woman of the world, you know? Um, African-Americans, you know, and I'm not like all into that stuff, I'm just saying like, we were like the first black family in Garden Grove you know, shout out to Sublime fans. (laughs) And um, so you got to understand the pride that my dad had of being able to provide that for his family. You know what I mean? And my mom liking fine things and everything. But my mom, you know, woke up one day, had an aneurysm, you know, didn't thought life was going to be one way, um, basically died. And then she woke up blind, but had an encounter with Christ. And so my mom was a completely different person. From that moment on, my mom became basically like a saint, and it was in her suffering that I saw something different. It was in her suffering that the first vestiges of life were shown to me—life beyond what you have and what you wear, and the entertainments that you have. You know, I remember complaining to my dad about why do we have to leave our house, and I hate moving and packing. I was being a typical punk—not even like punk as in punk rock, but like punk kid who should have, my dad should have just ran my teeth down my throat. My dad just looks at me. He says, you still got a mom, don't you? You know, those moments of like my heart being formed because I was like everyone else, selfish. We're selfish. We're materialistic. We're vain, shallow people. All of us, this whole culture. And it has been. And it's only in the light of suffering do you become a human being. And it was in the light of the suffering of my mother and watching my father sacrifice for real love, real love. That's, that's really where the story begins. All the other stuff we've been talking about the last five hours, that's just all, that's just the static that began to form the real signal. The real signal was that, that witness of love that my dad gave and that my mom being in the midst of despair can you imagine having everything and then being blind and living in the Volvo that your son gave you can you imagine that but still holding on to something what is that right that's the real story you,
0: you would you would think that would make you a a miserable person you know who's always angry or <laughs> a, you wouldn't think you would come out of that as a
1: completely you know
0: a, cle- a more more positive person with a completely different vision of the world vision.
1: and that's why when I needed to turn to the darkness, I needed to find God. I, I turned to my mom, not because some people are like, well, yeah, of course, you were raised that way. No, 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 you don't understand. If my mom had still been that superficial, vain, fake Christian that most people are, I wouldn't have turned to that. Right? There was something imperceptible to me, something deep that I, I knew. I knew that who I knew that who she had, who she was pursuing, like there was something there. So that's, that's how I began. And then from there, the key thing was, like, I didn't know anything about, like, oh, denominations or this or that. I just knew that Christ was real. I didn't know really who, who he was. I just knew that he was real and that I was going to pursue him. And that's, that's essentially how I became Orthodox is that pursuit of more and more, like, okay, who are you really? Now now who do people say you are? Not all this baloney that I see. Like who are you really? And that's the thing is if you really are pursuing Christ, you'll find him. But the thing is people like, no, 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 I did this and that. I'll, I don't care who you are, you come to me, I'll call you out on that. If if someone's really pursuing Christ, you will find him. If you say I've tried, no, you haven't tried. You've been you've been pursuing. Here's the thing, I'll tell you something. There's a light within every human being, Mark. Every human being has a, has a light, and most people can very easily confuse the light that they witness for the light of God. This is what happens when people practice other things, and they see a light. And people do see a light, but they think that light is the is like the divinity. It's not. It's the spark that is in every human being, and they confuse. They stop there, like like Sartre would say, Jean Claude Sartre, right? They stop short. They stop short of themselves, and this is the ego. And as Americans like we are speaking of icons we are the icons of ego <laughs> you know what i mean and so to try to to try to push through that to find the true divinity of god the true light of god the true light of christ it's impossible for us seemingly with men these things are possible god all things are possible because i'll tell you the secret it's suffering it's suffering that's the secret
0: and and that's an that's something that may, maybe you can kind of Tell a little bit more of your path through the the lens of this question that I'm gonna ask you here. Cause I, I it's something that I have knowing a few people in the last few years who have or are at least in the process of becoming Orthodox Christians, um one thing that I have heard a lot of and seen a lot of actually um is when you get closer to God and you start going down that path, you can often experience more suffering in your life, um, more more difficulties, more challenges. Coming at you, um so uh, I maybe to someone outside who who might be thinking, why
1: would you want to do that exactly
0: exactly <laughs> that that's kind of where I'm going <laughs> with that. Why, you why that? would you want to do that? <laughs> so maybe you can give your perspective sure. on and maybe interweaving a little bit of your own story there on no, uh, why would you no, want, want to do that yes, why would you want to invite more suffering and more no, difficulty I
1: mean my stories you know my story is whatever I, I think we can even talking in just general terms, right like why would you want to do that well Here's the first thing. Um, If you aren't encountering that suffering, I would submit to you, your spiritual pursuits are bogus. That's the first thing. And that's the main thing. The second thing is, um, you ever looked at a gymnast? You ever seen like a gymnast? I mean, on TV. (laughs) Yeah. Isn't their body amazing? I mean, incredible, Mm -hmm. right? How did they get that body?
0: A lot of suffering. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, everyone wants to, you know, let's name whoever. Like, whatever you think you're into. Do you want to talk about uh, Polyphia? Do you want to talk about, you know, Tool? Like, do you want to talk about, you know, uh, Kanye? Like, like, who do do you want to point to in music? Right? Who do you want to point to in art? Who do you want to point to...
0: Kanye is a fun and, one, but that know, might take, take us down some other other tangents.
1: No <laughs> problem, you know what I mean? Like, we can talk about, you know, fighters, MMA fighters, Muay Thai. Like, whatever the thing is, it's... it's Floyd Mayweather. suffering. Floyd Mayweather. How did he get there? It's suffering.
0: It wasn't from relaxing on the beach and... You know, nope. Even though he nope. may get to do that now. And, and, he, and, you know.
1: Nope. And, and, and here's the thing. Don't let people fool you. Because the people who maintain that level of performance, they still here's the here's the trick. They learn to love the burn. Mm-hmm. They learn to Feel love the burn. The
0: that's the phrase for a reason, right?
1: Yep. yep, and and that's. Basically, orthodoxy teaches someone not, not to flinch.
0: And, it, and it, the burn tells you you're on the right path then in a way, because if you're feeling that burn, that means you are, um, in the case of the gym, you're building your muscles. So in the case of your soul, I suppose you are, you're making that stronger as well.
1: Yeah. And not just your soul, your whole person, everything about you. Because we're not talking about a morality and we're not talking about an ideological you know, proposition. We're talking about ontology. It's the whole person. Ontologically, that's what you become. And so, in the same way, in the same way, you know, the person who's working out, what are they burning? They're burning fat, and they're and they're burning the lacti- The lactic acid is going into the muscles and burning the muscles and refining and strengthening it. Right? Remember, we talked about in the beginning of our conversation about you know, God wants to take the real mark and purify you of all the issues of your your stepdad and all mm-hmm. that stuff. You know what I mean? So the burn applies there as well. Right. What's being burned off as you approach the holy living God is all the fat, all the waste, you know,
0: in many ways. It is kind of that like that choose your suffering type meme. You know, it's like, yeah, you can you can not suffer and not work out and not eat healthy and just sit on the couch and then you're, you're relaxing and you're not suffering, I guess, in, the, in that short term. But your body is suffering and you're gaining weight and you're becoming more depressed and you are suffering. So you're you're going to pick your suffering at the end of the day is, I guess sure. is the point.
1: That's right. That's it. And that's, and that's the secret. That's the key, you know? And that's something that is, you know, I guess, quote unquote universal we could say. And someone could say like, well, yeah, I, I find that in all kinds of disciplines and perspectives and you do, you do. Um, but there's an added, pers- there's an added aspect to that, which is person. And it's just important that we recognize, you know, because I think when we're talking about orthodoxy and and the kind of um advent of orthodoxy in this in this kind of contemporary milieu that and this is one of my big things I try to harp on is that we're not, I am not talking about a kind of like again, an ideology or morality, although those things play there, right those the, but those are the kind of clothing that it wears. like what we're talking about is is love. you know, if you can. If you can conquer a million cities, but have not love, you're nothing. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's about love. And when you recognize and realize that um, God is love and not just an impersonal God, I'm not talking about an impersonal God, I'm talking about a personal God, that, that's really what the thing is that you're seeing. And it, beca- and it, beca- it can become easy to look at all the like, ooh, orthodoxy is exotic, orthodoxy is this historical thing. Um, all that stuff is there. But the consistency that you were talking about earlier, the, the reason why you're seeing the ascending of like orthodox people in in the chaos of the culture right now is because we stand on the rock.
0: yes, that's that's what I have noticed. and that's that's why I think I've, I, maybe, it's probably obviously it's not coincidental, but that, that's why I found myself um, I, I found myself resonating with a lot of people in the last couple of years that are different than the people I was resonating before. And again, I was going to say coincidentally because I'm used to saying things like that. Not probably not at all coincidentally. And a large num- a surprisingly large number, based on the percentage of Orthodox people I knew before, which was zero, um, are either Orthodox Christians. I find out later, like it's like I find that out later that they're on this other path, or I find out that they're in the process of becoming Orthodox Christians, and it's it's not the original reason I was resonating with them, at least at least on the surface. I, I really that's why I wanted to dig into more of this uh, topic with you um, here today, and um, maybe just one thing we could do before we wrap up the main show here. Um, for people that aren't familiar with this, we're we're just kind of using these terms. Could you maybe just define a little further exactly what Orthodox Christianity is and and how that's different from, you know, I don't know what, what you might call just regular American Christianity, like you kind of described before.
1: Sure. Okay. So, um, real quickly, history timeline, and this is not, this is not debatable. This is object. This is objective history, whether someone wants to accept you know, the kind of experience and quote-unquote interpretation, that's where it's debatable. But what I'm about to give you is just fact, right? So the person of Jesus Christ, right? 33 AD, boom. From there, you have the advent of the Christian church, okay? Like these apostles and all this stuff. Are you following me? That church, like when you open up the Bible, the book of Acts, that church... Is the Orthodox Church? That was just the one church, and that church exists, you know, in this line. That's before there were all
0: these other sects and, and Protestants and Anglicans and Lutherans and
1: there, there, yeah, before there was Protestants, there was no like Roman Catholic Church. There was just like the church, the Orthodox Church, and there's and there's been sects, you know, there's been people who've broken up and started their own thing, but that main church, that connection has has maintained itself all the way to today. Like if you
0: went to an Orthodox service today, it, you're saying it would be hardly, and maybe the people are wearing, maybe the, the people attending are wearing different clothes, but hardly different than like 2000 years ago.
1: Yeah. Let, let, let's put it this way. Um, and this almost proves the point more. There are some changes, like the language might be different. You know what I mean? There are some changes, but if you were to like time warp someone from 2000 years ago to now, and they were you were to time warp them and put them in an Orthodox church, and then like a Protestant church, like a Baptist church or whatever, Sandals community church, whatever the thing is, they would look at that and go, like, I don't know what this is. <laughs> like, are these are these Gnostics? Like, what kind of pagan cult is this? Right. And then they would be like, Oh, the liturgy. They would, they would know they would worship if they were in, if they came to my church next Sunday, time warp. They would, some things would be different. It'd be foreign in some regards, but they would know, they would recognize, they would know. And that, I guess that's the kind of full stop, you know what I mean? That the heart is, has maintained, it's, it's been, it's maintained. That's, that's the rock. One more thing I want
0: to ask you before we wrap up here and then we'll, we'll head on over to the smoke-filled room and who knows what we'll talk about there. But uh, I, I want to ask you, um, so if someone is, is listening to this interview and they're a lot of what they're hearing from you is resonating with them, but say they don't have like they don't have a background in this stuff. They maybe don't feel comfortable with the idea of just showing up to a church maybe, or something like that. What, what kind of advice would you give to someone who, you know, this conversation resonates with, but they just don't know where to go yet. And they don't feel comfortable. Maybe just like going into like a random Orthodox church. Where, what, where would you, what would you suggest they do?
1: Yeah, I would suggest, um, what's interesting is I Orthodox internet Orthodoxy. You gotta be careful with Mm -hmm. mainly like, like anything else. Know your know your internet. Etiquette. Stay out of the comment section. Yes, you know what
0: I mean. A, that's a universal truth, right there.
1: Stay, stay out of the comment section. But there's, there's some, there's some good things I could point you to to kind of help you to get some insight. You know, I would forget, forget the sh- the shameless plug, but like um, the Royal Path, I think would be a great place for you to start because that's one of the reasons why I started the project was to help people like exactly who you're talking about who are keyed into something. They've they've heard about orthodoxy some way, somehow, but but that's about it. They've never been to a service. They don't know anything. And to be frank, um, especially if you're a little keyed into what's going on with with the society and politics right now, right? That's a perfect place for you because we kind of, again, like I was saying, I don't cut all that out like it's nonsense. I actually, we try to really help people navigate through that, right? And so that would be a good place to start. And then from there, you know, I I do communicate with people, you know, you can get my contact, you can email me and I'm glad to help anyone. Like that's what I'm here for. Uh, and help them kind of navigate that. Cause everyone's in a different situation. You know, I, I, I've, you know, I helped a guy, um, last year who was in Korea who had no church around him and he ended up getting baptized, you know, like Mm -hmm. if you want it, you can get it. You know, Cyprian was an Island. Mm -hmm. Like if you want it, you can get it. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I would say that, you know, there's a couple other podcasts, but the thing is, is when I throw this out, like, yo, know, there's a guy priest, cosmos, he's really great. It'll, but the thing is there's, he's tough because you need to have some kind of context. So I'm just, I don't want to throw a lot of things out there because without the context, people could get the wrong idea. But ultimately if you just do some, do some poking around, there's a couple great books I would recommend There's a book called um, The Orthodox Church by Kalisto Swear, The Orthodox Way by Kalisto Swear. Those are great books. Um, Mountain of Silence is a great book by Kiriakos Marquis to just kind of give you an insight of things if you want to do some reading. Um, The Orthodox Ethos is a great podcast that you can kind of check out, and it gives you good, solid information. So Orthodox Ethos, those books, The World Path. Um, And then from there, just pop in on a Saturday. Don't go to a Sunday liturgy. I mean, you can if you want, but that might be too overwhelming. I'm talking about the nervous person, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. And check out a Saturday, we call them Vespers. Check out a Saturday service, sit in the back, and just check it out. You can just kind of sneak of you, in, you know. <laughs> yeah, sneak in. Be like, okay, you know. But for those of you who are bold enough, check out a liturgy and and what you'll and, and go there. You can go there with with you know the armor of the skeptic if you want, but I would suggest kind of go there with an open mind and what you'll find is um, you're going to get blown away and you're not going to know why. And that, and that being blown away, that's, that's God. (laughs) You can't explain it. You don't know what it is. And and that's, that's God. That's the kingdom of heaven. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, again, feel free to contact me and then I have a network of brothers, uh, brother priests, and pretty much I can get you in contact with a good priest no matter where you're at in the States you know? So I, I'm just throwing that out there for people. That's, well, the, that's a pretty good that's the underground network, you know?
0: Um, well, father turbo, thank you so much uh, for joining me today. Uh, I'll give you one more chance. You, you kind of mentioned the Royal path and a few other things, but just one more chance to plug anything else you want to plug and, and, you know, g- any contact information you want to give out.
1: Yeah. Great. Thanks. Um, yeah. There's the Royal path, um, the Royal path podcast. Um, we also have the St. Mary of Egypt website. I just throw it out there because for those of you who are going to get baptized, we have a, a community of nuns here, and part of the way that they support themselves is by making baptismal robes. So, if you're looking for a baptismal robe, uh, SaintMaryOfEgypt.net. Check it out. Uh, help support the nuns, um, and um, yeah, I have, I have an email um, that you can reach out to me, and I'll gladly communicate with you. Father Turbo at Um and God bless you guys. You know, thank you, Mark, for this opportunity. Thank you. And, I just want to apologize. I know I'm kind of a nut job, you know, so forgive me if uh, you know, I threw out a bunch of stuff like a fire hose. Those, and-
0: those are all positives in my view. So you're in the right place
1: here. Great, great.
0: Yeah. Thanks so much, Father Turbo. Appreciate it. And uh, thanks so much for coming on my show.
1: Yeah, my pleasure.
0: All right, friends, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Turbo Qualls. It was certainly one of the most insightful conversations uh, I've ever had on this or or any other show. So I hope you got uh, a lot out of it as I did. And I got even more out of it, as did patrons of the show, supporters on Patreon, Subscribestar, Rockfin, all the links, of course, you can find at markclare.com, M-A-R-C-C-L-A-I-R.com. I I got so much out of this interview and so much more out of it in the smoke-filled room bonus segment where we talked about some of the uh, canonological, I think I said that right, stories from the Bible. Uh, We really focus in on the Book of Enoch and the implications that those stories have on the modern world, on the ancient world. We tied this into some of the Graham Hancock ancient apocalypse stuff as well. Uh, Speaking of which, I... Reacted to that show, had sort of a a recap review with my friend Pete Quinones of The Pete Quinones Show. That is also available uh, for patrons, uh, Rockfin supporters, etc. So just a plethora of content for the people that keep this show going, that that fund this thing. So check that out. Smoke-Filled Room bonus segment. It's a part of the extended version of this show that's always available early and often uh, for supporters of this program. Uh, Speaking of supporters of this program, one of my greatest supporters... At the highest level of support on Patreon, $77 a month is the great Jared Wall. And he'd like me to tell you about his great website, the THC Hemp Spot, THCHempSpot.com where you get 15% off your order just for knowing me, just for having heard this show today. So much value you get out of the show, not just the conversation with Turbo Qualls. You can possibly get a free bag of coffee. Check out foxandsons.com. Use discount code MCS. I just worked in an ad into an ad. Did I just do that? I think I did. Uh, No, but at THC Hemp Spot, Jared Wall will deliver to you legal, safe, effective, for real THC products uh, right to your door, and you can get a 15% off your order by using discount code Mark, discount code Mark. That's M-A-R-C. I'm going to drill this into your skulls. M-A-R-C. Discount code Mark for 15% off your order at THCHempSpot.com. Until next time, my friends, in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night.